Well, good evening. It's good to see those of you who are here with us in person uh, and those of you who are there with us online. Just want to remind you uh, that we're there on Facebook and on Twitter uh, at HBC Tullahoma. We're on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma and then our phone live streaming. Encourage you to use that and to share that with others. If you need that number, we'll be glad to give that to you. Uh, and so I encourage you to take the time to give us a thumbs up on YouTube, uh, give us the hearts, the likes, uh, all of those things. Uh, subscribe there uh, on YouTube also, and that'll just help to get the word out even more uh, about our service this evening. We're going to be in the book of Revelation tonight, uh, taking another look again at Revelation 13. At the second half, last week we looked at the, uh, the beast uh, coming out of the sea. Tonight we're going to look at the beast coming out of the earth. And so uh, you'll want to share that with your friends and, and encourage them to take a, while, a look at our service tonight. Go to our church website also to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can download tonight's or today's, this week's worship bulletin. A lot of events that are going on, so I encourage you to take the time to get that downloaded. Under that info tab is also where you can download the children's worship bulletins, one for ages three and up, one for ages seven and up. Those always go along with the Sunday morning service. And then also the prayer list, which I don't have one in my hand right now, but you can download that also under that info tab. And then while you're there uh, on that page also, you can go to the far right hand side, click the Give Online tab there, and you can do your online giving. So I encourage you to take the time uh, to do that uh, even tonight. Um, and then just a reminder, especially for those who are in person, if you're at home, uh, we'd encourage you to call and ask about this and we could just gather the information from you uh, over the phone. Uh, but in the holders on the back wall here, as well as on the sides when you go out the doors here, uh, we have our connection cards. Uh, even if you filled out one of these before for us, we encourage you to do a new one because there is a permission question down on the bottom uh, that we did not have before. Uh, for when we have like special events or uh, special announcements uh, that we can get your permission to add you to either the text or call list uh, for that. We've only asked before for just the prayer, the prayer needs. So if you'd like to get any of those kinds, that'll let us know also whether uh, that's something viable that we need to uh, offer uh, also. So if you would just fill one of those out uh, with all your information on it, maybe your emails have changed, maybe your phone numbers have changed. Uh, those kind of things, and then check the boxes on how you want to stay connected. And then also, uh, don't have any more of the numbers charts, but we do still have more of the Revelation prophecy charts uh, that come from uh, Dr. David Jeremiah's uh, ministry turning point. Encourage you to uh, send us information if you want one of these. We'll be glad to send it to you for free if you want one of these uh, in person there over here. Uh, and over here on the sides of the stage. So just wanted to make you aware of those things. We will be watching Facebook tonight uh, for any prayer requests. So if you need to make any prayer requests or any updates, uh, please let us know and we'll uh, get that uh, information from Facebook uh, to let, it, let, you know, let others know before the end of the service. If you don't use Facebook and you want to give us that request, you can send it to us in an email at Highland Baptist Tullahoma at gmail.com or highlandbaptist.cafes.net or you can just call the church office and that'll get it to us also. So, Brother Mike, if you want to come and lead us in our song. Kind of trading off tonight. Take your hymnals if you're here and I know he's fixing to go up and, and pull up the words, but we're going to sing Heavenly Sunlight. Well, no, we're not. We're going to sing He Keeps Me Singing. He keeps me singing, 425. Let's do that, Miss Pat. Go ahead. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. All my life was 
was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken streams, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Feasting on the riches of his grace, resting neath his sheltering wing, always looking on his smiling face, that is why I shout and sing. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Though sometimes he leads through waters deep, trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, see his footprints all the way. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Thank you. Did everybody get one of the prayer lists? They're up here on the front, so be sure to get one there. I'm going to switch over to Facebook just to make sure that I'm following along with any prayer requests that may be there. Thank you. Then I could do it from here. Then. Yeah. So hopefully if you're at home there, you've gotten your prayer list downloaded or at least uh, can see it there uh, on your device. Uh, so let me get a couple of things here going. Uh, so as we're getting ready for uh, all of that, uh, let me just ask you if there's any prayer requests that you may have online there or here in person, any updates uh, to the prayer list, and then I'll men make mention of some here in just a moment uh, that I do have. Yes. That was Gwen. Okay, so Mary Jo Gwen. Uh, okay, uh, so Mary Jo Gwen passed away, so we want to remember that family uh, in our prayers. Hey, any others here in person? So as you take a look at your prayer list and on the uh, HBC family, let me make sure I have the correct one here.
Okay, on the prayer list there, we have uh, uh, Paco Prince. We want to continue to remember in prayer uh, with his uh, situation with his legs. Uh, so continue to keep him in your prayers. Um, we removed several from that list, but we want to remember Dan Beverly Daniels, uh, who has some medical issues. She had been in uh, the hospital uh, in ICU, uh, still in the hospital, but uh, just pray that uh, things will continue to get better uh, with her. Uh, I do not. Do you? unable to authenticate so you will have to go up there <laughs> it may take me a minute to get authenticated okay so we praise the Lord praise the Lord for that let me just share those so that people online can hear that also uh, Gil Williams uh, was is here tonight and so we praise the Lord for that he's continuing to heal well and then the other one that we mentioned a while ago was Beverly Daniels uh, the update on her is that uh, she did have a slight stroke. It affected mostly her swallowing. Uh, she's starting to get some of that back, but just continue to keep her in your prayers. It's a very slow baby steps kind of process uh, there with her. And so uh, keep, keep her in your prayers as she continues to recover from that. Uh, we want to remember Glenn Liebig, uh, who is Linda Smith's dad. Uh, she, they were going there to, this week to be with her family, next week to be with Mark's dad. Uh, and when they got there, her, her dad had COVID. And so uh, keep him uh, in your prayer. She'll be staying there uh, for the 10 days, uh, for 10 days there with him. And then uh, Linda Ray is home recovering. All right, so uh, just remember Linda Ray, she's still got a long road of recovery there, uh, but keep her in your prayers. Remember the family and friends of Jack Hagee, uh, he passed away uh, on Sunday, um, so keep that family in your prayers uh, also. And then Libby Kine, who is Rick Miller's mother, uh, who had a stroke, uh, I talked with him Sunday, he said she's uh, starting to eat uh, some more uh, solid type foods, but uh, still, um, just resp can respond to questions by squeezing her hand or stuff like that, but uh, still keep her in your prayers as she's uh, there on, on hospice. Any others that we need to particularly mention? We do not. Uh, that'll be later is what we understand. So any others? All right, well, let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer then uh, for these prayer requests, and then we'll move over to our Bible study uh, also. And there may be other unspoken needs that you have uh, on your heart. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy and your loving kindness. Thank you, Father, for being with us uh, each and every moment of each and every day. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will hear our prayers in a powerful way. We know that you are the Almighty, and there is nothing, Lord, that is uh, beyond your ability to take care of in our lives. So we just want to uplift all of these needs for each and every one of these individuals to you and ask, Lord, for you to divinely intervene in their hearts and in their lives to bring healing to their bodies, Lord, to show your glory and your power and your majesty, uh, Lord, not just for the sake of their healing, which we pray for, but most importantly, Lord, for bringing glory to your name that it might be used as a witness and testimony uh, of your saving power. And so, Father, I just pray that 
You will have your hand upon each one of these individuals. You know uh, their situations. You know uh, the struggles that they're going through. You know the other needs that may be associated with these physical needs. Uh, maybe there's emotional or financial needs or family needs. Lord, we just uplift all of those to you, and you've told us that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. So shower these individuals with your grace. Wrap them in your love uh, and, your, and your mercy, Lord, and we just pray, God, for your will to be done in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, there may be other needs that we have that we didn't mention that are unspoken needs. Uh, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will just uh, continue, God, to, to uh, meet those needs also, and, and Lord, that you will give us a peace in our hearts that passes all understanding, to know that you're in control, uh, and that you uh, will see us through whatever it is we may be going through that maybe we haven't spoken about. Sometimes, Lord, uh, I fear we may think that what we, are, what we have a need of in our lives is maybe insignificant, in the light of what somebody else may be going through, but all of our needs are significant to you. And you care about each and every one of us and each and every one of our problems. So we just uplift them all to you, Lord, and ask for your will to be done, for your name to be glorified and honored. So thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Uh, we pray, God, that you will uh, be with us tonight as we study your word. We pray that you will open your word and open our eyes and our hearts to the truth of your word, as well as to the signs of the times in which we're in. Uh, to know that uh, there is an urgency in which we need to be sharing the gospel because uh, of that time getting closer uh, to the sound of the trumpet when Jesus will come again and also to getting closer and closer to the time of, of our appointed death for each one of us. And so, Father, help us to make the most of each and every opportunity that we may have. Bless our church. Keep us, Lord, uh, on, on the path that you have called us to. Help us to be faithful in all that you've called us to do. And we just want to give you the glory and the honor in all you're doing in our lives. Bless your word tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I'm going to close that. I could not remember our password. That's what was keeping me from getting on there. Uh, take your Bibles, if you will, then, and turn to the book of Revelation, as we said. Revelation chapter 13, and we're going to be in verse 11. Let me get my Bible here open to it. Uh, I want to begin with reading this uh, first verse here, uh, verse 11. Uh, if you'll remember last time we talked about the, the beast that rises out of the sea. Uh, tonight is a beast that rises out of the earth, but I've entitled this message, The Number of the Beast. The Number of the Beast, because it really does have a lot to do with that in looking at this second beast. And so let's look at verse 11 here that says, Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth, it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. Now, I wanted to start with this illustration tonight because I, I felt it was very pertinent to where uh, we are even today. Uh, many of us know of the United Nations. We see uh, many times the drama that goes on there. Uh, it, it represents, if you will, a dream found in its very name. Uh, there's always been a dream in the minds of people uh, of a unified world, a dream of th that all nations and all tribes and all peoples are going to be united and become as one. Unfortunately, the United Nations has uh, more often than not uh, this has turned this dream uh, into a nightmare because more often than not, uh, disunity and discord uh, rules the day, and it seems like nations can't get along with nations. Uh, but take heart, this world is headed for oneness and unity. Uh, even now, uh, the forces uh, are in motion that are paving the way for a one-world government under one political ruler and a one-world church under one religious leader. Uh, these events that we talk about that are predicted in Revelation 13. So the one we looked at last week, that first beast, is more of the political leader. Uh, there as the Antichrist. That first half, half of the chapter reveals Satan's Superman, the coming world dictator. The second half of this chapter tells us of the coming of the one who's going to unite this world under one religion. Uh, he's called here the beast out of 
the earth. And so for the sake of clarity, we need to make sure that we, we know who we're talking about when we talk about these two different beings. Uh, we identify him as the false prophet because that's the way he's referred to over in Revelation 16 and verse 13 when it says, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So you see those three. We've already talked about the dragon, that's Satan. We've talked about uh, the beast, the mouth of the beast. That's the first beast that we read about in chapter 13 and verses 1 down through verse uh, 10. Uh, and, and so you continue reading there and it says, Out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. Uh, Revelation 19.20 refers to him as the false prophet. The beast was captured and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image, his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And so if you remember, the devil is the dragon the first beast is the political uh, dictator leader, uh, and then the third is uh, the one who is leading uh, the, the one world religion uh, as a false prophet. And so it's in Revelation 19.20 that those two who are under the dragon, who are under Satan, are cast alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Uh, and then in Revelation 20 and verse 10, it says, and the devil who had deceived them, so you're getting three different distinct individuals here. The devil, the beast, and the false prophet as they're referred to later uh, in, these, in these chapters, Revelation 16, 13, 19, 20, and 2010, where he says, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so this that we're reading here in verse 11 is talking about a beast rising out of the earth. He is the false prophet. Uh, he's going to be, if you will, the minister of propaganda uh, in this one world government. He's going to be, in effect, uh, what we might refer to today as a press secretary for the, for the beast out of the sea. He's going to be the PR person uh, for, for the devil's Messiah. He, he's going to cause the entire world to, to fall down and worship uh, his Lord, who is the devil himself. And there are four reasons why he's going to be able to accomplish something that no one else in history has ever been able to accomplish. The first is this, the manifestation of the beast. Uh, verse 11. Uh, notice previously, as we said, we were introduced to the beast out of the earth. Now we're introduced to the beast out of the sea. I saw a beast rise, another, that's meaning a second there, a second beast rising out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. Now the two beasts, uh, the one out of the earth, the one out of the, the sea, uh, they are two, like two peas out of the same pod, if you will. Both are from the belly of hell. Both are the devil's puppets. Uh, the, the, like the first beast, this beast is also given a very strange description. Notice the description. He's described as a lamb and a dragon. I mean, two of the most polar opposite things that you could think of, a lamb and a dragon. He's described as a lamb to represent his meekness at first, he's going to be a soft-spoken, smooth-talking operator. Uh, sugar's not going to melt in his mouth. He's going to be gentle. He's going to be gracious. He's going to be appealing to the masses. But we're told that he also has horns. He's like a lamb who has horns. Have you ever seen a lamb with horns? No. We know a lamb doesn't have any horns. Horns in the scripture represent power and authority. So as the lamb, we see his meekness... By his horns, we see his might. But then we see he speaks like a dragon. So he, he's wicked and, and violent in his actions like a dragon. He's going to be an intimidator. He's going to be an, an exterminator. As a bully, uh, he'll institute, insist that everyone worship his master, the devil. As a beast, he's going to kill those who refuse to do so. 
And we're going to see that fleshed out in the remaining part here of chapter 13. Uh, that that lamb-like qualities, but then also the dragon-like qualities where he's going to kill those who refuse to worship the beast. So he's literally a wolf in sheep's clothing. So the beast is going to be as meek as a lamb, as mighty as a lion, but as cruel as a dragon. Notice not only the manifestation of the beast, but the might of the beast. You see this in verse 12. Verse 12 it says, It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Now, you remember we read about that last week in the, in the earlier part of this, that, that the, the beast had uh, what appeared to be this mortal wound in verse 3. He seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. But what we see that he's telling us here in, in verse 12 is, is that he has the same power, he has the same authority as the first beast. So just like the first beast uh, derives his might, and his power from the devil, the second beast uh, gets his power and his might from the first beast. So you have the devil, the first beast, and the second beast. Now that tells us uh, a, a lot about the kind of might that he has. Uh, first of all, it's a deceptive might. It's a deceptive might. He's going to use his might and his power to deceive the earth into worshiping the beast. Now, it may come as a surprise to you to learn that Satan is not against religion. In fact, he's in the religion business up to his ears. He wants to corrupt religion. He wants to divert religion until the only re religion in the world revolves around worshiping him. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 36 this is where we always have to keep going back sometimes to the Old Testament to get some better insight. Daniel 11:36 tells us that the goal of the Antichrist is to exalt and magnify himself above every god. That's what it tells us there in that verse that you see on your screen. Uh, that has always been the primary desire of the devil is to be elevated to the position of God. He's always wanted to be like God. He's always wanted to take God's place, to usurp God's authority, uh, to accept God's worship, to wear God's crown, to rule God's kingdom, to sit on God's throne. The job of the false prophet is to lead the entire world to worship the devil. Now, if you put this into perspective, the false prophet is essentially the counterpart or the opposite of the Holy Spirit. The primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ and to lead people to worship him. It's his job to magnify Jesus. It's his job to exalt Jesus. Uh, well, likewise, is the job of the false prophet uh, to get people to worship Satan, to magnify him, to exalt him above every other God. Uh, so you see, like, just like there's an antichrist, there's an anti-spirit. Satan is the master counterfeiter. And so just like there's a holy trinity, there's also an unholy trinity. The unholy trinity is described over in Revelation 16 and verse 13 that says, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon who is the devil, and out of the mouth of the beast, who is the world political, the political leader, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, who is the religious leader, three unclean spirits like frogs. So just like there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there's also the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. The dragon, or Satan, is the counterfeit of the Father. The beast is the counterfeit of Christ, and the false prophet is the counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. That's why you read back in verse 3 about that mortal wound, because he's trying to portray like he's like Jesus, that he died and was resurrected. Uh, he's putting a false uh, message out there of what happened to him uh, with that seemingly mortal wound. Now, the dragon opposes God the Father, the beast opposes God the Son, and the false prophet opposes God the Holy Spirit. So just like there's going to be one world government led by the beast, there's also going to be one world religion that's going to be headed by this false prophet. And that may surprise us to know that there are many today promoting that kind of concept. 
uh, and who would welcome that kind of political and, and religious unity, if you will, as that's the world's only hope. Uh, there was a man by the name of Arnold Toynbee. He was a great historian. I mentioned him last, last week. Uh, here's a comment, a quote that he said. He said, living together as a single family is the only future mankind can have now that Western technology has simultaneously annihilated distance and invented the atomic bomb. The alternative to the destruction of the human race is a worldwide social fusion of all the tribes, nations, civilizations, and religions of the world. And this world even now is being set up by the master deceiver to accept these leaders as they come on the scene. And so we see uh, his might there. We see also a destructive might in, as you come on down uh, to verse 15. We'll come back to the other verses there uh, in just a moment. But verse 15 says, and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So those who refuse to, in essence, attend the devil's church, if you will, to practice the devil's religion, to study the devil's uh, Bible, to worship the devil as God, they're going to pay for it, the Bible says, with their lives. Uh, the blood of the saints, those with God's mark on their foreheads, are gonna, uh, th their blood is going to run in the streets, fill the rivers, and even flow into the ocean. There's not going to be any place to run. There's not going to be any place to hide. Uh, and it's all going to be done in the name of religion. Now, that not ought to surprise us either because Jesus was crucified in the name of religion. Paul persecuted himself, uh, the early church, uh, and had many Christians put to death in the name of religion. Millions of people throughout the centuries uh, have been murdered in the name of religion. Uh, a man was talking to a Christian about the importance of merely having religion. He said, after all, all religions have some good in them. And the Christian said, so does rat poison. It's 98% cornmeal, but the other 2% is enough poison to kill you. <laughs> So we won't deny that there may be some good in all religions, but religion kills. It's the spirit of God that gives life. Then we also see his might, his power. We see a defective might, a defective might. You see there again in verse 15 that this false prophet is going to cause many to worship the devil. In fact, he'll cause most people to worship the devil. The devil. So he'll again be frustrated in his desire to be like God because one day God is going to cause everyone who has ever lived to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a day that's coming that Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And I believe that includes the devil, that includes the beast, and that includes the false prophet. The devil and his demons are powerful, but they are not all-powerful. So many times when we think of them, even though there's a, a correlation here to an unholy trinity, if you will, they are no match. They are, they are not even equal, uh, even in the same playing field, if you will, as God is, because the devil is not all-powerful. Uh, the devil and his demons are mighty, but they're not almighty. Our Lord is almighty. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that's who he's talking about here, the devil. The second beast, we said, remember, gets his power from the first beast. The first beast gets his power from the dragon. But who does the dragon, the devil, Satan himself, get his power from? He gets his power from God Almighty. The only power the devil has is the power that God has allowed him to have. He's on a leash, if you will, with his power. So he is limited in his power and limited in the scope of things that he can even do. There's a third thing that we need to see here also. There's the miracles of the beast. The miracles of the beast. We see the manifestation of the beast. You see the might or the power of the beast. But then you see the miracles of the beast. Now, if you'll remember Sunday, in the message Sunday, we talked about miracles. Uh, and we talked about, do you believe in miracles? Because there's sometimes miracles that we see, even in our world today, that are not from God. Uh, notice what verse 13 and verse 14 says. 
talking about it. It's talking about this beast that looks like a lamb, speaks like a dragon. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Now, let me ask you this. If, if we were to be here today and, and in this present time of seeing this second beast here, and he calls fire down from heaven, what are you as God's people going to think and, and look at that as? You're going to think, well, that must be from God because he's calling fire down from heaven. We see that all throughout the Old Testament. We see that uh, in God's word before. Uh, and so you would think that it's, it's of God. Uh, but notice verse 14, and by the signs that is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. That mortal wound, that supposed mortal wound back in verse 3, uh, you ought to worship him. Uh, so he's pushing him out there as the Messiah, a false Messiah, of course. Uh, but this beast is going to be a master uh, of miracles. Uh, he's going to perform great signs and great wonders. And, and he'll, he'll, this carnal, unbelieving world is going to be mesmerized by this master of miracles. He's going to use his miraculous powers to deceive the world into accepting his message and therefore into accepting his, his message. Jesus warned about that very thing uh, taking place in the last days. That's why we went back and looked at Matthew 24 and 25. Matthew 24 and verse 4 says, And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. Because there will be those. Jesus had warned that the last days would be a time of deception and spiritual deceit. And he goes on to say in Matthew 24 and verse 24, He says, For false Christ." And false prophets will arise and they will perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Who's the elect? It's God's people. It's those who have chosen to, to follow Christ, uh, to receive that free gift of salvation. Believers, if it was even possible to deceive them. And, and, and so I want you to know we believe in miracles. We believe our God is a God of might and a God of miracles. But not every so-called miracle is a real miracle. Not every miracle is a divine miracle. Miracles can be duplicated. Miracles can be counterfeited. Satan is an expert at doing both. In fact, in the Bible, a miracle is a confirmation and a proof of the power of the one who performs the miracle. And so the Bible says in John that Jesus performed miracles, which John calls signs. He did that, John said, to confirm his power, that he was who he said he was. But the devil also performs miracles to confirm his power. The only thing a miracle can do is simply confirm the power of the one who performs it. Now remember where we said the devil already gets his power from what God allows him to have. So a miracle, as we talked about Sunday, can, can be one of two things. It can be a witness or it can be a warning. It can either be a witness to the divine power or a warning of demonic power. Now, you may ask the question, how do you tell the difference whether or not a miracle is divine or demonic? Well, the difference is in the message. That's what we talked so much about Sunday. It's in the message of the one who performs the miracle. So remember this principle we talked about before. The message always trumps the miracle. So if somebody's performing a miracle, but at the same time they're preaching or teaching things that are unbiblical or not in line uh, with Jesus or his word, forget the miracle and forget the miracle worker. A miracle isn't necessarily from God just because it helps people. Remember this passage that we looked at Sunday, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, that at the great white throne judgment, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And then notice this next phrase, and cast out demons in your name. And then look at that last phrase, and do mighty, many mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's telling us there that there are individuals who are false uh, prophets, false uh, miracle workers uh, who cast out demons and did works in his name. They said, we did these things in your name, but he says, I never knew you. Because the message always trumps the miracle. There are people who actually did, as Matthew 7, uh, 21 to 23 is telling us there, who actually did cast out demons. They did a good work, and their miracles did help, but they didn't come from God. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 through verse 3 says this. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you... The thing about Hannah's Huerblad isn't the phone in his go back hand. There. <laughs> it's the microchip actually in his hand. The tiny implant is the latest advantage. Click the very first one. Again, go back to our title slide. Can you scroll back up to the title? If you go back up to the title, it'll replace the video there. That's okay. So uh, God makes it very plain, very clear uh, that to test a true prophet, it, the test of a true prophet's not in his miracles. So he says, if a dreamer rises among you, gives you a sign of wonder, and the sign or the wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, Notice what he says. He says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So God makes it plain and clear there, the test of the true prophet is not in the miracles. Then he goes on to tell how, the test, how to test the true prophet in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 13. He says, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. So there's a tremendous lesson for us to learn there. You don't build your faith on a miracle. You build it on a message. You build it on the word of God. The test of a true prophet isn't in the miracles he performs. The test of the true prophet is in the message that he preaches. And so this beast is going to call down fire from heaven. That's like what we see happens in the Old Testament. So how do you know the difference? Is this of God? Is this not of God? Well, it's the message. He's going to set the heavens ablaze. He's going to make the sky burn red with fire. Maybe in this modern day, that's going to be done with some atomic explosion or some other thing in the outer atmosphere that's going to rain down fire from heaven. Uh, but then he's going to make an image to the beast. Uh, he's going to be able to cause this inanimate object to actually breathe and to come alive. Now notice he doesn't just make an image of the beast, but rather an image to the beast. And that's what Jesus called, back in Matthew 24, verse 15, the abomination of desolation. That image is going to be set up in the temple in Jerusalem. Satan is going to desecrate the house of God. He's going to defile uh, the worship of God by causing everyone to come and worship this image. Now, I'm not sure that when John wrote this that he, uh, that he fully understood. He had no concept of an image that could speak. I'm also sure that for many centuries, biblical scholars wondered, what in the world does this mean? But today, that doesn't seem so strange. Uh, it, you know, it, this isn't science fiction any longer, but rather, this is scientific fact. You know, think about with the advent of television uh, years ago, that we've been able to see people talking on a screen. You talk about people 100 years ago or 200 years ago, they, they would have thought, man, that's witchcraft or something. They wouldn't want to stake you up and, and burn you with fire or something to say you're going to have this box that people are going to speak out of uh, with, with moving images and stuff on. Uh, and, and yet we see that today. Today, cars can talk to you. Uh, you get in a car today, doors open, lights are on, oil's low, you're stupid, <laughs> whatever. You know, we can have computers today, devices that can actually talk. Cover this up. You can say, Alexa. <laughs> we can say, hey, Siri. 
and you can, you can ask it to do things, and it'll talk to you. Uh, it'll tell you jokes. Uh, uh, Matt's kids come in all the time and ask it to ask Alexa to sing happy birthday <laughs> in my office because I have one of those uh, in there. You know, we have all those kinds of things. I want you to hear something that came from an article in 1981 that was called the biochip revolution. It's, in fact, the first time that word was ever used or coined uh, in a phrase, biochip. Uh, it, it was in the uh, magazine called Omni Magazine. The author is Kathleen McAuliffe. And here's what she said. While microchip architects race to squeeze more and more information on the wafer-thin silicon, a few pioneering biochemists are plotting a computer revolution that could make obsolete the most advanced circuits dreamed up in the back rooms at Intel and Motorola. That tells you how old uh, that it is. Almost unnoticed, the ultimate biological computer uh, has reached the drawing boards. The bioprocessor will be a molecular latticework that can grow and reproduce. Uh, this article went on to say that cap it was capable of logic, reason, uh, perhaps even filling its three-dimensional organic circuitry, uh, will not process data in the rigid linear style of earlier computers, but in a network fashion like the living brain, small enough to mesh directly with the human nervous system. Biochip implants uh, may restore sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, replace damaged spinal nerves, give the human brain memory uh, and number crunching power to rival today's mightiest computers. The prototype, they said, back in that day, in 1981, December 1981, is taking shape. Uh, the article went on to talk about uh, EMB Associates Incorporated in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, Dr. James McAllier, uh, who was the president and co-founder, here's what he said in her article. He said, our aim is to build a computer that can design and assemble itself by using the same mechanism common to all living things. This mechanism is the coding of genetic information in the self-replicating DNA double helix and the translation of this chemical code into the structure of protein. The gym-like biocomputer of McAleer's dreams, she said in her article, implanted in the brain will sprout nerve projections from its tiny protein facets. The host neurons will link up with the spindly outgrowth, sending out electrochemical pulses in the brain's own language. The implant will ideally combine the brain's ability to, to relate incoming data to reason, if you will, with electronic speed and efficiency. Dr. McLear uh, further states, we're looking at conductive velocities about a million times faster than nerve cells, circuit switches a hundred million times faster than neural junctions or synapses, and packing densities of the functional circuit elements a million times greater than are formed in the brain. He said the factor of 10 to the 20th power is truly incomprehensible in terms of any present concept of intelligence. That was in 1981. It would be expected that the being of an individual so equipped would live in the computer part, not in the central nervous system of the body. But it, he said it's also possible that when the corpus perishes, when the body perishes, its implant would survive and could be trans, transmitted to a fresh host. Well, that pretty much, she said in her article, pretty much fits the specifications uh, for an immortal soul. And if you have something that has intelligence and the ability to communicate at high speed, it might well become a single consciousness, a superior and omnipotent being. McAleer, for his part, is one not to downplay the importance of the biocomputer that he would one day build. Uh, he said that we are so accustomed to thinking of ourselves as the crowning glory of evolution that it's difficult even to consider the possibility that we are merely the beginning of life, a potential for intellectual development that's limitless once we take control of our biological destiny. And here's what she said in her article that I wanted to finish with. His voice, she said, rises slightly to penetrate the den of the bar in which he's speaking. And he said, one Sunday about four years ago, he began, I was parked in front of the Swedish Covenant Church waiting for my wife, Anna, who was inside. The minister, it seems, had gotten into this tiff, he said, of, of singing a hymn and then praying that I'd come in and be saved. Well, finally, my wife came out. Why don't you come in, she implored. Uh, they've asked me to ask you, don't you believe in God? And McAleer replied, you go back and tell them, not only do I believe in an almighty God, but I'm probably the only one here that has any idea how to build it. Hmm. In layman's terms, what this man is speaking of is the possibility of a computerized human or a humanized computer.
Watch this video, if you will. This came out last December, January. No, just to that video. It should restart, I believe. Artificial intelligence, that's real from December of last year. It's only improving throughout the year. It was shown at the, the uh, CES show uh, 2022 uh, in, in person. People are able to ask it questions, to talk with it. Uh, when you see all of this, you see the frightening possibility of the realization of verse 15. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast. So think of the image of the beast. This is a, a, a structure, a physical thing that's been built, an image of the beast, and it's been given breath so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain, to be killed. We are on the cusp of seeing that kind, those kinds of things come to fruition. Uh, that image will be uh, maybe a computerized uh, clone of the beast that men will come and worship. But then we see in these last verses the mark of the beast. Uh, verse 16 says, And it also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. So the word mark there is synonymous with the word seal. Uh, an emperor would take his signet ring, he would dip it in hot wax, he would put his seal on a letter to authenticate its contents. So this was the mark or the seal of the beast to authenticate these are, are my followers. And so remember this false prophet is the counterfeit, counter, counterfeit counterpart of the Holy Spirit. Just like God's children are sealed by the Spirit, the devil's children will be branded by the beast. The devil is going to turn this world sort of, if you will, into some kind of great concentration camp, if you will. Everyone is going to have the mark of the beast. He says, whether you're small or great, you're rich or poor, you're free or slave. Everyone is going to have uh, the name and the number of the beast. It'll either uh, be on the forehead or on the right hand. It may not necessarily be visible. I mean, think about this. You think about years ago when, when you used to go to the amusement parks or you go to uh, those kinds of things, and, and you remember they would stamp your hand so you could come back in? Well, you couldn't see that, but when they'd put it underneath a certain light, uh, you could be able uh, to see that uh, then. Well, things are way beyond that today. Uh, through this mark, this beast is going to control the commerce and the currency of the world. Notice verse 17. He's going to do this, put this mark on them, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast, or the number of its name. And so someone said back in the 1990s, that this satanic society will be a cashless community that we are rapidly moving today toward a cashless society where currency and coins are becoming increasingly obsolete. That's back in the 1990s. Banks were pushing more and more for a new form of money management known as EFTS. We don't even refer to it that anymore. It's just your, your debit machine you go to and uh, electronic fund transfer systems. They still call it that in the, in the system part of it, but the system allows the transferring of money electronically, allowing business transactions to take place without any checks or any currency changing hands. Uh, you think about, I think about back in 19, I guess it was probably 83. It was the first time I had a computer. It was a Commodore 64, <laughs> and that was the kind that had the little tape that recorded your, your data stuff that you had to put on it. Uh, you had to write your code for it and everything. Things have changed a whole lot. I mean, I, you all remember, everybody who's here tonight, probably some of you who are watching online, remember when there was no internet <laughs> for us to, to surf and to, and to look at things. Well, 
we think about all this that it said back in the 1990s, that's reality now, that we basically are uh, a, a cashless society. Uh, and you think about things today like Bitcoin that has no uh, changing of, of hands of money, but it's all done electronically. Here's some old reports back in the 80s and 90s that said the American Bar Magazine reports that crime would be virtually eliminated if cash became obsolete. Cash is the only real motive for 90% of the robberies, hence its liquidation would create miracles in ridding Earth citizens of muggings and, and, and holdups. That was one of the things that was uh, talked about back in the day of why we needed to move away from cash. Uh, another was, uh, that, and this one stood out to me, this uh, comment from back in the 80s and 90s stood out to me because it relates to today. In Europe, the World Banking Association has formulated an international monetary transfer system called SHIFT, otherwise known as the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Teller Communication. The purpose, they said, of that conglomeration was to allow international business transactions to take place without the need of any cash or currency. Have you ever heard of SHIFT? If you listen to the news, you would have heard of SHIFT because our president uh, got the EU to freeze SHIFT for the uh, Russian oligarchs to get at Putin and Russia when they invaded uh, the Ukraine. Uh, they went on to say, just in case you failed to see the connection with this, how this has uh, with Bible prophecy, Henry Speck, one of the organizational leaders of SWIFT, stated, we do not want another committee, we have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of the people and to lift us out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or the devil, we will receive him. Here's another. There is coming a day when you won't have to worry about losing your credit card. You will be one. The world number is, a world number is feasible in the near future, but it also poses a problem because a person could be kidnapped or killed if you carried your number on you, say in the form of our cards that we have. Uh, but because of this, many today, which those are received all around the world now, uh, but it said because of this, many today, back in that day, were advocating the insertion of a world number on someone's body. Technology is now becoming available whereby an invisible mark can be put on you by a laser beam, invisible to the human eye, uh, but visible under infrared light. Well, now that can be done in a microchip. Watch this video. The most cutting-edge thing about Hannes Hörblad isn't the phone in his hand. It's the microchip actually in his hand. The tiny implant is the latest advance in a biohacking technology that is steadily becoming a part of normal life in Sweden. We have created a new implant, which is not a chip. It's a full device where you can add different lights, different uh, vibration different functions. Sweden is a very tech-literate society. And I think this is the main explanation, really, why a lot of Swedes are uh, adopting chip implants. Swedes haven't been shy about upgrading themselves with the new version. Thousands already have microchip implants that they use in their daily lives, waving their hand to gain entrance to the gym, confirm their ID, or make payments. A short moment of pain not putting them off becoming part Swede part machine. This event is an implant party, simply where ordinary people can show up and get a microchip embedded under their skin. The biohacking movement in Sweden is hosting them all over Europe, but it's at home where they get the most willing recipients. I think it's really cool. You don't have to carry any keys or anything. It's just your body. In maybe 10 years, everything will be in your hand. In Sweden, more than anywhere else, the future is already here. The national train company SJE has around 2,600 people signed up to use microchips instead of train tickets. And no need to mind the generation gap. 18-year-old Felicia and father Magnus still bear the scars of their new implants. Student Hannah Herving is also freshly chipped and now just needs to program it to open doors. Although, importantly for a future career, it does already connect to her LinkedIn. Some people say I'm mad that, um, I don't know if it's safe and all that, but people have been putting these chips into animals for 20 years, so I'm not worried about that. The long-term goal is for the new chips to help provide medical care in remote communities. They're already getting under the skin of the Swedes, 
and may soon become just another normal part of modern life and of the human body. Paul Rees, Al Jazeera, Lund, Sweden. That was 2019 that that video came out. Since then, they have added a COVID-19 passport to that microchip uh, in Sweden also. And it just continues to grow there. You may think what I'm saying is kind of outer space, out in left field. But this isn't the future, it's now. The day is coming when if you're not marked, you won't make it. There'll be no selling, there'll be no buying, there'll be no living, there'll only be dying if you don't take that mark. Every human being is going to have to display the brand of the beast or otherwise you're not going to be able to buy or to sell anything. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, trying to close a, a billion dollar deal or you're buying an ice cream at the store. Uh, the rule will be no seal, no sale. No brand, no buy, no mark, no money. This mark is going to be in the form of a number, as verse 18 says. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Now, many have tried to speculate on the meaning of that number. You know, theologically, we know what it means. As we talked about the numbers, the number six means, anybody? It's the number of man. Uh, it, it, man was created on the sixth day. You were told to work six days, but to rest on the seventh. Uh, seven is the perfect number. Uh, three is the divine number, the number of God. Uh, there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but there are three sixes. In short, here is man trying to be God. But man is an imperfect six and will never be a perfect seven, even though he tries and tries and tries again. Now, I don't know the total significance and, and meaning of this three-digit number uh, that has become so famous, but no one has to wonder, why would anybody take this mark? Well, some people will take this mark because they're convinced. There are many who, who will think that this world would be better off under one government, under one church, that financially things would run much smoother uh, under one uh, commerce center. Uh, and, and, and there are others who are going to take this mark who are careless. Uh, there are many who don't care one way or the other. Uh, it's just a mark. It's kind of like I've already got a social security number. I've already got cards that track me, companies that track me. Amazon tracks me. They listen to my phones. They listen to my devices. Uh, you just have to speak something, and it's going to pop up in your Facebook feed with ads. And so uh, there are many who just don't care. They, they Just as long as they can keep eating and drinking and, and being merry, as long as they can continue to do their business, increase their bank account, enjoy the things of this world, they don't care. But others are going to receive this mark because they're cowardly. They're not willing to stand alone against the beast and the rest of the world. They'd rather go to hell with the majority than to be saved with the minority. Now, there's a tremendous difference between the beast and the lamb. The beast gives you a number, but the lamb of God gives you a name. The real question is, when the roll is called up yonder, will your name be called or will your number be up? Now, let me remind you that though there is the, though that there is the name of God that is written on the believer's forehead. Do you remember that? Revelation 3, 12. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Revelation 7, 13, or 7, 3 rather, says, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God, where? On their foreheads. And then Revelation 14, 1, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written where? On their forehead. So this number of the beast, the Antichrist, is a counterfeit to God writing his name on the forehead of believers. Now, we may be sitting here thinking, that's a scary, needless, uh, needlessly frightening message. But I want to tell you there's nothing this scary, uh, frightening about uh, what we've said if you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. If you don't know Jesus, then that's a whole different story. If you love the one who is perfect and, and, and who loves you with a perfect love, uh, then you know that perfect love casts out all fear. So we have a choice to make. You can love the lamb and be sealed by the spirit, or you can submit to Satan and be branded by the beast. Not only will the choice be then, the choice is now. And I encourage you to make that choice for Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. 
And I pray, Lord, that uh, this has not scared us, but just made us more aware of the times in which we are living, especially in seeing uh, those two uh, very current events that are going on uh, in our world with the artificial intelligence there, uh, with the, the microchips that are being implanted into people now. But Father, I just pray that uh, you will help us to realize with urgency that we are living in the last days. Every part of the stage is being set and prepared uh, for what we are reading about here in the book of Revelation. So help us, Lord, to be faithful in whatever days and moments and hours and years that you may have left in our lives to be sharing with others the good news of the gospel before it's too late for us to share that with. And Lord, for those who have not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that before it's too late, they would trust in him uh, by faith. So thank you, Lord, for your word and use it to encourage us, especially as believers. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there online. Thank you all for being here uh, in person. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday, uh, 9.15 with Sunday School. If you want to come join us in person, uh, we'll be having uh, church at 10.30. You can join us there online. Uh, for the next three Sundays in a row, we're going to be having baptism, so come. It's going to be a great service all three Sundays in a row, uh, and maybe there'll be some more <laughs> that'll be uh, coming forward too. So uh, you have a blessed week. You stay safe, and we'll be praying for you. You pray for us, uh, and we'll see you this Sunday.